Well, perhaps you've um, heard the story of the two little fish. The two little young fish, they were swimming along, happy as Larry, and along came an older fish. The older fish meets them, and as fish do, he nods a greeting, and he says, morning boys, how's the water? They smile as fish do, and carry on swimming for a bit. And eventually, one of the younger fish turns to the other and says, what on earth is water? And of course, in that moment, we see something of ourselves, don't we? We see something of ourselves. It is possible to be immersed in something and be totally oblivious to it. I've lost count of the number of conversations that I have on a week-by-week -week basis with people who are facing a crisis or a calamity or an uncertainty, a pain or a problem. And when they come, in their line of sight is the problem or the pain or the crisis or the moment. You've had one. She said this to me, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay that bill? My life isn't going anywhere. I don't know how I'm going to get past this. And all of that self-talk builds up inside of you like an amazing head of steam. And I have one job, one job. And it's not impossible. I want them to see the water. I want them to live in the reality that they're oblivious to in that moment. We meet a woman today, and she's got the same problem that you and I have. And the Lord Jesus pinpoints it. He says this to her. If you had only known. Wow, that could be, a, <laughs> that could be something written over each of our lives in here, couldn't it? If you had only known. When that thing is hitting the fan. When it feels like you can't go on. When it feels like everybody is against you. When it feels like you're going to be forgotten and all alone. If you had only known. So today, and today's Bible message has one, one aim. It is that you might know. It is that you might know. The theme here is living water, but I must tell you that this is the theme of the whole of John's Gospel. And if you don't, don't believe me... Let me take you to one verse in chapter 17. It is the night before Jesus goes to the cross and it is his high priestly prayer. And in the upper room, he prays in the presence of his disciples and he speaks to his father. And this is what he says to them. I have made you known. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And in this beautiful and intimate moment, the Son of God speaking to God the Father, rejoicing in the love in the Godhead together. And he says, I've made it known, I've made you known, so that they can share in that love. And immediately we hit a problem, don't we? Because you know some stuff, but you don't know it. And I know some stuff, and, and I don't know it. I don't know it. So if I say to you, God loves you. In Christ, 
he's found a way to love you. <laughs> Do you believe me? Do you believe me? You don't believe me. And here's how I know you don't believe me. Because if you knew the love that you are swimming in of God for you, when that person said that thing, and that thing happened this week, and it blew off the Richter scale of your emotional ability to cope with it, if you'd been aware of how much you're loved and what you are swimming in, the living waters that Jesus Christ gave, do you really, if you knew that, do you think you might have reacted slightly differently? You know that. I know that. So the big problem, if you are not somebody who's yet decided to follow Christ, is you do not know what you're missing. Neither did this lady. We are swimming in the presence, power, and mercy of God every single moment. In him we live and move and have our being. It isn't all just about what you can see on your phone or the things that you can touch, taste, and smell. There are spiritual realities of a God who is present and he is going somewhere. He is totally good. He is ultimately holy. And he's found a way for you and me to get access to him again. And yet, once you become a believer in Jesus Christ, do you know? No! Life is a journey of new knowings. How are your knowings going, people? Usually by this stage in the week, the knowings of last Sunday have sort of drifted off into the ether, haven't they? And all you can remember is the footy score or how messy the house is or what you've got coming up later in the week. And part of the reason we gather is so that we will make our knowings known. And the Lord Jesus is going to do that in us today. Interestingly, do you know the way he does that? He speaks. He has a conversation. You could describe the Christian life as this. An ongoing and developing conversation with the Lord of the universe who knows you and loves you and knows what you don't know and comes quietly along and says again and again, if only you knew the gift of God and who it is who's speaking to you. Do you want him to have that conversation with you today? Can I pre-warn you as we look at the story? There are a few uncomfortable moments. Are you at the point of need and recognizing that you need? <laughs> Your self-awareness is strong enough to know that you need Jesus to have a conversation with you because that is what he is going to do so don't you dare sit there thinking that this is a spectator sport you will speak to him even as you're listening even as you're hearing even as we're digging through this passage of scripture be saying Lord if you want to meet me at noon or 11.40 whatever time it is now would you meet me would you have a conversation with me through your word into my heart because I know that I don't know. I'm daring to believe that I'm swimming in the middle of living waters because Jesus Christ is present. I'm daring to believe. Please would you show me who you are? Our story today starts with a lady who hasn't got a clue she's swimming in water. And when she got up in the morning and she put milk on her cornflakes, she had not got a clue what the day was going to look like. If only she had known... 
If only she had known what we're told there in verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he has been in another part of the country. He has spoken to Nicodemus, the religious man with a name and a place and a status. And now there is this woman over the horizon who's not even heard of him, but he had to go through Samaria. Part of the reason he had to go through Samaria, as we're going to find out by the end of this chapter, is that he is the savior of the world, the whole world. In other words, your ethnicity, your background, your backstory, your personal junk. Jesus came to go to the roughest places. And in the eyes of an Orthodox Jew, there was a whole stack of ethnic hatred going on there, and we haven't got time to unpack the story, but it's enough to say that if you were a respectable Jewish person and you had to travel from the north, uh, from the south up to the north, going through Samaria, you would go the long way round. I mean, what kind of idiot puts into Google Maps and expects to get to Southport via Manchester? That's what they would do because of the ethnic sort of unholiness of this area of the Samaritans. But Jesus had to go. He had to go because every square inch of planet Earth is his. Every person who draws breath is his. He doesn't care about your background or your pedigree. He's coming for you because you are his. And he had to go to see that woman personally to start a conversation. Now, he had to go through Samaria so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son jo uh, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, or in some of your translations, about the sixth hour, the middle of the day. And everything is going rosy. It would have been incredibly hot. It would have been warmer than it was down at the Hale Park Carnival yesterday. People would have been rushing for shelter but Jesus is in the meeting place of the town. Now, let me explain a little bit about the traditions back then. It was, in those traditional cultures, what would happen is the gang of ladies would usually travel together. They didn't have Facebook social media, so the way they did their gossip related and talked about what was going on was in the morning, they would take their water jars, go and fill up at the well, or when the sun had gone down and it was a hot day, at the end of the hot day, they would go in the evening. But nobody, but nobody would go at noon and so it's with a great surprise to her and to us as we read verse 7 when a Samaritan woman came to draw water and immediately our ears prick up and go there's a backstory here what on earth is going on it's almost as if she's avoiding the public gaze she is trying to and, and we're thinking to us what on earth is she doing there why is she there? When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Uh-oh. Now, what you don't know back then is that, uh, that that is blowing all the social conventions because at countless times in the Bible, there is uh, a meeting at a well and it's usually to start a relationship. And some of them are wholesome where people, you know, this was the place to hang out rather than go to the gym or go on Christian, um, uh, what's that, uh, christianconnect.com or something like that you went to the local well and maybe you would find your life partner. Uh, that was the kind of situation. So you can imagine her pricking up her ears and going, am I safe? Who is this fella? She didn't know he was a rabbi. And she had gone intentionally in the middle of the day so that she didn't have to be near anybody. 
Now, maybe you know something a little bit about that. She had planned her day to avoid drama. She had planned her day to avoid relationships, to avoid pain, to avoid disapproval. She had planned to be alone, to get away from it all. She'd planned to be in a place where she couldn't be challenged. She'd planned to go to a place where she couldn't be comforted. And I'm looking at a whole stack of people who know how to run and hide when things get tough. Agreed? How many of you, you don't need to put your hands up, have wanted to stay away from here when your life is not altogether how you wish it were? How many people in our community have said to me, Steve, I know I've got to get to church, I need to hear about God, but I just need to put my life back together first. And yet he chases her down. She plans to be alone. And she's asking all kinds of questions about the background of her life. We'll find out some more details in a moment. Maybe she's given up hope that things can be fixed. Maybe she just doesn't want to change. And she's finding safety in the empty place where that she has been living. Do you know what that feels like? Maybe she just has got become an expert at wearing masks, hiding her issues while she is quietly dying inside. But she's there. I ain't going to go and run the gauntlet of their disapproval again. And guess, if only she knew, guess who she is going to speak to. Verse 8 says this, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? In other words, you're blowing all the social conventions here. I'm a, I'm a grubby outsider. I'm way down the social pecking order here. Why on earth would you be speaking? And of course, the answer is pregnant with anticipation. It's, she doesn't know who she's talking to. And so the Lord Jesus, he just stops with the small talk. And I love this. He's there to deal with her to love on her and he simply throws it out there verse 10 if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water she just doesn't get she doesn't know who she's talking to I've probably done this story with you before but I absolutely love it it was reported in the in uh, in the mirror last year around the time that Her Majesty got transported from this life to the next. Uh, we all love stories about the Queen, but the, um, <laughs> there was a time um, one of the security guards recalls, it was around the Platinum Jubilee, and he was up in Scotland and he was accompanying the Queen on one of her favourite walks that she does. And he says this, there were two hikers coming towards us and the Queen would always stop and say hello. It was two Americans on a walking holiday, and it was clear they hadn't recognized her at all, which was fine. The American man asked her if she lived in the area, to which she replied that she did indeed have a house nearby. I think the Queen was amazing. She said that she lived in London, but had a house just over the hill, and he asked how often she had been coming up here. She said, well, coming on more than 80 years. And... She, she could see that the cogs were ticking. And the American tourist said this, well, if you've been coming up here for 80 years, you must have met the queen. <laughs> and as quick as a flash, she said, well, I haven't, but Dick here, my security guard, 
he meets her regularly. So the American tourist asks the security guard what she is like. And this is what he says. Because I was, I've been with her a long time and I could pull her leg, so I said she could be very cantankerous at times, but she's got a lovely sense of humor. Anyway, the next thing I knew, the American tourist comes around, puts his arm around my shoulder, and before I could see what is happening, he gives the camera to the queen and asks her to take a photo of us. So we swap places. I took a photo of them with the queen. We never let on, and we simply waved goodbye. Oh, dear. Then Her Majesty said to me that she'd love to have been a fly on the wall when he shows these photos to his American friends and hopefully someone tells him who I am. <laughs> and why do I tell you that story? Because as we listen in here, we know what's going on, but she doesn't. Does she? And we have that experience when we run the cafe or when you're dealing with, dealing with Speak Kids or Speak Youth or Welcome Club or whatever else it is. When the name of Jesus comes up and they have no idea and you just want to grab them, don't you? And go, do you have any idea who is present and listening, the silent witness of every conversation, ready and willing to bring grace and mercy? If you knew, you would turn towards him. Some of you, as you listen to that story, you're already running through your mind, aren't you? I wouldn't have missed that it was the queen. Oh, I'd love to meet the queen. You don't need to meet the queen. You've got the king, the real one. And he's present with you. And you get up in the morning and you go about your business as if he doesn't live. Well, I do. What is wrong with us? And he's just talking quietly. He's just got the dignity. He doesn't need to shout. He's going to wait till the penny drops. In fact, he, he takes her on a little bit of a journey to help the penny drop. Remember what she has come for. She has come because of the physical needs that you and I have and experience every single day. And it's a picture, not just of her physical needs, it is a picture of her spiritual needs. She brings the jar because she is thirsty. She needs something to sustain and fulfill her. It's risky because she has to go out in public, but she'll go anyway, and every day she will fill it up, she will go back, and what does she have to do the next day? Fill it up again. Fill it up again. Fill it up again. It's almost as if the Lord of glory, when he wound up the world and put it together gave us good things to enjoy but gives us life lessons that they will never satisfy they will never meet our deepest need and this poor woman what she got stuck on she's got stuck on meeting the physical need the good thing that the Lord has given her and she hasn't realized that it is a sign to an ultimate need this, she came for her physical needs, but she's actually blind. She's blind to what she really needs. So I've set this up saying, if only you knew. If only you knew how Jesus will come and pursue. If only you knew, knew who he is. 
But if only you knew how desperate your need is, you would realize and know that the things that we try to quench those needs on will never, ever hit the spot. How many of us say things like, if I had X, I would be happy? Now, some of you have lived long enough to know that it don't work. If I had that job or that business, I would be fulfilled. No, you won't. If I had that person telling me that I'm beautiful, I would be fulfilled. No, you won't. If I got that status in society or the respect that I feel I'm due, I will be fulfilled. No, you won't. And you need to notice the trick here. Is water a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. But what does the human heart do in our godlessness when we leave him out the picture? We take, we're experts at it. We take good things and we turn them into God things. We ask them to carry a weight they were never supposed to carry. And this woman, in her backstory that we're about to find out about, that's what she's been doing. And the question is, is Jesus of a high enough stature to better help her see, help her know who he is and her need, and then answer that need? Is he truly living water? And so the story goes on and they get into this great conversation. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water, which, by the way, tells you something about Jesus. He wants to give. Can you get that? I know you don't think he does. Why is it I've prayed and that thing hasn't changed? No, he wants to give according to your deepest need. Are you prepared to surrender? And this is one of the things that happens when you become a believer. You stop telling him what you need and you say, Lord, tell me what I need. Show me what I need. Lord, I think that my life would be great if... And he comes along and says, and it's killing you. Will you allow me to show you where real water is? And I know that's hard in the moment. You know, a couple of conversations this week. And that, that desire for that thing that means that to help me feel like I won't be forgotten. I'm not alone. I can face the future. Um, I matter. I've got an identity. Those things, good things, friendships, relationships, opportunities, the things that we use to, if, if they're going in the right direction, we can feel like we can live another day. Will you allow Jesus to bring that under scrutiny and say, have you turned a good thing into a God thing? But the story goes on. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. So she's still thinking on the material, physical level. Um, where, can, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Mm-hmm. Who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? And he just answers plainly and tells us the truth about your life. Are you ready? Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. If we had time, I'd be happy getting you to put your hands up and say, give me a testimony of something you've been trying to drink that left you even more thirsty. Maybe it was a plan. Maybe it was a project. Maybe it was something that would lift your name and, and help you feel like somebody. You drink it, and you're thirsty again. 
Isn't this vivid? Maybe if that person loves me better. Maybe if he wasn't like that. Maybe if they would welcome me more. Maybe if I got that qualification. Maybe if I could ha have that, that holiday. Maybe if I could provide that experience and opportunity for my kids. And guess what? It feels good for a second and it's gone. Because it cannot carry the weight. It was never meant to. It was most supposed to point you to the one who can. So she's terribly confused because she doesn't know who she's talking to. And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. That I find the hardest verse in this passage. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I believe that Jesus loves me more than anybody else. I believe that Jesus has forgiven my sin. I believe that he has given me access to the living God for this life and the next. I believe he's given me all of that for free. I believe that I am in him, so all of his merit is counted to my record. I believe that he is going to carry me from this life to the next. I believe that he is going to help me live for him day by day. But every day I get up, I'm battling thirst. Am I the only one in the room? Misplaced thirsts. And what he invites us to do as we read that is to say, don't worry about tomorrow. Just today, will you let Jesus quench your thirst? Just today. But don't you know what I've got going on later today? Is Jesus enough for today? Will he reorientate you the way you face what you face? Will he help you to forgive when you don't want to forgive? Will he help you to speak graciously when you don't want to speak graciously? Will he help you overcome the anxiety that is crushing you? Will he, his presence lift, lift you in those moments where despair comes knocking and calling and trying to claim you? Don't worry about tomorrow. He says, I am enough for today. And guess what happens when you wake up tomorrow? If you'll come and talk with me, if you'll come and be with me, my power will come one day at a time. And the story of the Christian life is learning to live like that, letting Jesus quench your thirst, be your hope, your meaning, your fulfillment, your forgiveness, and your future, one day at a time. Do you think if I believed that, I would live differently? <laughs> if you believe that, would you live differently? Of course you would. And he comes and he deals with us one day at a time. And it's about to get awkward. Because she, she's tempted. Maybe you are. Just nod gently if you're tempted. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And she's confused in the midst of all of it. But she's sort of on the hook a little bit. And notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, Welcome me into your heart. <gasps> that's terrible. I thought that's what you're supposed to do when you hear that somebody's interested in Jesus. You're supposed to go, welcome him in as your Lord and Savior. No, 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 no. He doesn't go there. He goes somewhere very socially awkward. 
What does he say to it? He's very direct. What does he say? Read it. What does he say? Sorry? Say that again? Go and get your husband. Whoops-a-daisy. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. And we find that there is a backstory. And we have to deal with this backstory really gently because each of you have got a backstory. And would it be fair to say a good way to describe that is with a C word, complicated? You see, some people, when they look at this, they're like, oh, we're now about to find out how bad this woman is. Oh, Jesus already knows. But we're also about to find out how broken she is as well. Because this is how she responds. I have no husband. I don't know what the look on her face was. I don't know whether a tear came down her eye. I don't know whether it was a look of anger, thinking of all the ways in which she'd been hurt. And Jesus lays it on the line. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband's. What you have said is quite true. He knows her, but what does he know? Let me just fill you in on this a little bit. In, in that culture, if you wanted to get a divorce, the only person who could give that was the guy. So the only way you got out of a marriage back then was either through death or divorce. Five husbands. Can you imagine the emotional mess? Do you think she's jaded? Maybe her first husband died. Maybe her second husband was a loser who didn't want to love on her and nurture her and just kicked her to the curb. Maybe the third one knocked her about. We don't know the backstory, but we do know that she keeps going back for more. What good thing has she turned into a God thing? What thing has she done that says, if I have this thing, then I can live and survive? If I have the approval or acceptance or the welcome of somebody I can face tomorrow. And she's putting her hope in guys. Do we see this? Go call your husband, says Jesus. He doesn't say, welcome me into your heart. Why not? Because you cannot conquer what you won't confront. Can I say that again? You cannot conquer what you won't confront. And Jesus is the ultimate confronter. He doesn't he wants to see you set free from everything that crushes, holds, and denies the glory of God. And he's prepared to force the issue. He's prepared to get in her face because it's like he's saying, okay, you want living water? Well, in that case, the dead water that you're drinking, we need to bring it into the light and say, call it for what it is and say what it is. We need to be honest. You, repentance, faith, is turning from one thing to another if you're really going to know me if you're really going to walk with me if you're going to have living water pouring into your life day after day if you're not going to know the God who made you and loved you then I'm going to clear out all the stuff that gets in the way of that and for some people he needs to totally upturn our lives to do that sometimes we have to come to a point of crisis and that is exactly where she is you cannot conquer what you don't confront. 
And although there are hard things in her story, it's complicated because she's in her story and she's contributed to her hard things. He wants our sin and idolatry to be confronted. You can't drink water if you're drinking poison. So can I get a little bit personal? You're by the well. You're partway through the conversation. You're there now. Imagine yourself. It's dusty, it's dry, and you want living water. And Jesus says to you, go bring your husband. But it wouldn't be that for you, would it? Go bring your... What would it be for you? What have you been living out of? What do you say if I have this thing, I can live? What's that thing you keep going back to? You've each got one. I've got loads. Those of you who know me well, you know what I'm like. So here's my question to you. If he's saying that to you and me right now, are you going to do what she didn't? What she could have done was get up and walk away. If he's he's putting you in the spotlight, in his love and his grace to take you to somewhere wonderful, will you hang in there long enough and say, speak, Lord, with that voice that raises the dead? Take me on this I can't even imagine change. I don't know what I'd be like if I wasn't living out of that thing. I get up in the morning, I go to bed at night, it's always there. Lord, I don't want you to touch that because it's hell, but it's a safe hell. Or I don't want you to touch it because I think I can make it work for me. And will he drop it? No, he wants you to have living water so some of you you get to that and you go can I really be safe and the last thing that you need to know is they don't have a change of subject although it looks like it in this story is that you can be safe because of what Jesus says next sir the woman said I can see that you are a prophet our ancestors Worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is of the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come. She didn't know that. And has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. In other words, the location of religious life, of worship, of forgiveness, of connection to God, the location has been transformed. For a season in the Old Testament, it used to be based around a temple. And if you wanted to connect with ultimate reality, you traveled into it. But now he is saying that something so monumental that all those things were pointing to has now come. The Messiah is here. And he says the way that you meet with the living God day by day and the way you can be sure is because he is the perfect temple. And of course we don't need to move very many pages on in this gospel to see how Jesus fulfills it. 
because there Jesus will go to a cross and carry our sins and our sorrows. He will make them his very own. And through that, as the Father sees what the Son does for us and steps into our place, our sin and sorrow transferred to him, his righteousness transformed to us, we have a guarantee by God himself, as proven by the resurrection, that there is an open door to the temple for you and me, and there is change possible through meeting with the living God. And of course her mind is blown by this, and she's still a little bit confused. And so she says, I know that the Messiah, she's daring to hope, called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. I love the fact that Jesus makes himself available. He doesn't say, and if you get your act together, and if I run through my data banks on your past history and you measure up, or if you do this, this, and fulfill your potential in the future, then I'll give you some attention. He just presents himself and says, me, I'm all you need. My favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is further on in this. And oh, it's just absolute dynamite. I'm trying to look for which verse it is. Hold on. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. It's the next one, verse 27. Uh, sorry, verse 28. And this is, if you like, where she gets her life back. Five words. Then leaving her water jar. Have you left your water jar? Then leaving her water jar, she goes back to the town so full of the hope of the living water, the one who is present, so unlike those young fish. She's now the older fish. How's the water? I want to tell you about the water. And she goes back to the village, to the town, and said to people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. And they're like, we already know everything you, you did, love. Don't worry, it's no secret. It's all up over Instagram. Could he be the Messiah? And she has been captured by a living water that is enough to face down the disapproval, to risk more pain, to move towards others. She has got life, real life. She moves out of her pain and into her purpose. And every time we open the scripture, whether it's on a Sunday or when you read on your own at home or whether it's in a fellowship group, Jesus is pushing us in a conversation in that direction. Has he been speaking to you today? If he has, it's really simple. Ask him to keep on doing it. Lord, please, I need that day-by-day -day thing. I believe that you're the Messiah. But later today, I might not be able to see the water for the water. Lord, you're the living water. You're the only one who can satisfy. But later today, I'm going to want to pick up that stone water jar and go back to that same old life, believing its promises, and then being upset and failed by its emptiness. Lord, today, please, please 
talk to me, speak with me, show me your love and grace. Lord, help me to know who you are. Help me to behold you. Be my vision. Maybe if you're new here today, you're thinking, well, Steve, go and tell us something to do. Go and give me something that will challenge me and make me feel like I'm gaining ground spiritually. No! Because Jesus doesn't. He just says, come and drink of me. Come and walk with me. Come and listen with me. Let me poke and prod at things that are not of me. And we turn around and say, yes, Lord. Be my vision. So we're going to sing that now. Let's stand to sing.